Amen. Man, what a special night. We get to come together and worship our holy God, our Savior and King. And so we want to take a few minutes and open the Word in Luke chapter 2 and, and look at part of the Christmas story tonight to encourage our hearts, but also to set our gaze on our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what we've been doing over the course of the month as a church family, talking about who Jesus is during this Advent time. And tonight we want to kind of come around one truth uh, in our time together, and that's this, is that Jesus is God's sovereign gift of grace. And we don't see that anywhere more clear than in this passage that we often read at Christmas time from Luke chapter 2. I just want to read it for us. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him or them in the inn. And there's so much in this passage that, that we could chase tonight, but we want to take a moment to look at God's sovereignty. Uh, yesterday was kind of a different day for me and for our family. About 99% of the Sundays during the year, I show up here at church pretty early. I, I leave before the family comes. That's just kind of the nature of, of being a pastor. But yesterday was one of the days when um, mom needed to come early and gave her the opportunity to do that. So I had the fantastic four to myself uh, to get ready for church on Sunday morning, which uh, as a dad can be an interesting endeavor. Uh, and for all the dads in the room who have kids, you know that when dad's alone with the kids, we kind of have a different set of rules, right? It's survival, and it's just we're going to get it done. Whatever it takes, we're going to get it done, and whatever way, shape, or form it needs to take place. So we, I have my plan. I have my path. We're getting ready. We've had breakfast. Everybody's getting dressed. We're moving. We, you know, we're about 15 minutes from time to go, and everything is coming together. Uh, then what to my wondering ears should appear, uh, but the sound that, that no parent loves to hear, but especially dad who's alone on a Sunday morning, and that's my son saying, dad, dad, we need you, we need you. It's like, oh man, what, what's going to happen? So not only to my wondering ears, but to my wondering eyes should appear this image, and I think we have a picture of it. And if you can't tell, that is a, a car stuck in my daughter's hair. And um, there was panic in my heart and probably tension in my voice with our kids. There's sobbing going on. I'm trying to figure out uh, what's better, to show up at church with a car in my daughter's hair or to show up at church with the big section of her hair chopped out with the car removed. So, like, which option is better for my wife? And so thankfully we were able to do surgery on the car before the hair and we got things worked out. Uh, but to understand this picture, what, what's really important is you have to understand the context of what's happening here. So the night before, my wife had gotten this car out, put batteries in it, and there was only one rule to this car. And that one rule was, keep it away from your sister's hair. <laughs> and so I, being a good dad, the next morning when that car came out, guess what? I repeated that rule. One rule, away from your sister's hair. But we, we see what happened, right? Like sometimes... What we hope is going to happen, what we expect to happen, isn't what actually happens. And, and I just want us to go back to this text because 
what, what this illustration is meant to kind of bring out is that context is really important. Context is really important. And to understand the Christmas story, context is so important. When we get to Luke chapter 2 and we read the Christmas story, a lot of times we kind of go straight to the birth of Jesus. We go to the angels, we go to the shepherds, we go to the wise men, and there's good reason for that. But to understand the significance of this moment means we need to understand the context of this moment. So I just want us to hone in on three crucial words in this passage that I just read. It's in verse 1. It's these three words. In those days. In those days. And as people reading this book, God's word, we should ask the question, in what days? What was taking place? Because really to understand the significance of this moment, you have to understand what has come before this moment. And so all of God's word, all of the Old Testament, there's promises and prophecies and pictures of this coming king, this savior, and who he would be and what he would be like and how he would come. But then as far as we have recorded in in this book, in God's word, from Malachi to Matthew, there's 400 years of silence. No prophetic voice, no redeemer, no rescuer, no son of man, no son of God, just silence. Just just think about that, 400 years. There, There were generations who were born, lived, died, who were part of God's people who saw no prophetic voice, who saw no picture of these promises about a Savior coming true. This was a a bleak, dark time in Israel's history. There had been exile and return, but then there had been conquest by other nations. Alexander the Great had taken over most of the known world, and then other different kingdoms after him had risen and fallen, and the children of Israel had tried to gain freedom, but they had gotten squelched in rebellion, and now they were under Roman occupation. And that's how this chapter opens up. Caesar, the most powerful man in the world, is calling all of the world, everyone under his control, including God's people, to go be a part of a census. And it would seem in this moment, in those days, in this decree, that hope has been lost. Where is God? What is happening? But it's in those days that God is working. See, God is always working in our waiting. Much of the Christian life is not the highs. Much of the Christian life is the hard and the lows. It's the longing. It's the expectation. It's it's the suffering. It's the believing. It's the trusting that God is in control. That God is sovereign. God is good. And he is kind. And he is at work in our waiting. That's what this story teaches us. Because as we begin to walk through this, we see that God is, in fact, working in their waiting. That, that Caesar, the most powerful man in the world, he has called this census. Why? So that he can know how many people are in his control. So he can see how great he is. But what this passage teaches us is that the most powerful man in the world is actually just a pawn in the hand of the king of kings. This is no random decree. God is working in the waiting. And it's not just a random man that's going to Bethlehem. It's Joseph. 
who this text tells us is of the lineage, the family of King David, who had been promised and prophesied that the Savior would come from. And it's not just any town, it's Bethlehem. And to the outside watcher, Bethlehem was a no place. It was, it, it was nothing, it was insignificant, but it was actually very significant because it had been promised hundreds of years before that out of Bethlehem would come a Savior. And it's, it's not a random location for the birth of a child. A manger, it doesn't seem like a fitting place, and it's not for a normal birth, but it is a, birth, a place for the birth of a humble servant, suffering servant. And even when it talks about swaddling clothes, which would have been a normal way to wrap a baby, it wasn't just a way to wrap a baby. Swaddling clothes were used to wrap newborn lambs who had been born to be sacrificed for the sin of God's people. And this isn't just a random baby. This baby born of Mary is Son of God becoming flesh to save his people from their sins. See, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, he marvels and worships this. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption of sons. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning that God is in control. That God is working in our waiting. And that we as God's people, we wait. Even now, it's been 2,000 years since this was written. And we wait for our coming king. And we wait, but we don't just wait, we worship. We worship in our waiting. Because in the Christmas story, we see that God is working for our good and for his glory. Even when we don't understand it. And as we wait and as we worship, we watch with expectation that God is at work. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you that in this story and in this Christmas season, this Advent time, we see longing, we see waiting, we see expectation, and and we join in that during this season. Seeing that nothing catches you by surprise and that nothing is random or accidental in your plan. And I just pray that every person tonight would know that their life is not an accident. Where you have them is not an accident. What they're going through is not a mistake. That you are at work for their good to draw them in in your kindness, to draw them to yourself. And I ask that you'd help us to see your grace tonight and worship you because you're worthy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And church, go ahead and be seated. Some of you are thinking, wow, that was the shortest Christmas message I ever heard. That was part one. (laughs) We didn't tell you that ahead of time. If you had heard there were two preachers tonight, some of you would have thought, man, maybe we'll just pass on Christmas Eve. But we're going to honor your time tonight. Continuing on in Luke chapter 2, where Paul started just a few minutes ago, Uh, Remember the big idea that we're trying to chase tonight, simply this, that Jesus is God's sovereign gift of grace. So Paul talked about in those days, as you read through the Christmas story, you can't miss the fact that you see God's absolute sovereign hand. Even through a man like Caesar, who was a wicked ruler of the world, God used him to write this story. God is sovereign in all of the affairs of men and women. We see that, but we also see, what I want you to see for just the next few minutes is there's a word that, a concept, a reality that ought to just scream to us from the Christmas story, and that's the word grace. 
The word grace. That Jesus is, a, is God's sovereign gift of grace. And I want to show you that through the characters of the shepherds in the Christmas story. So if you have your Bible still open, you can follow along. If not, the words are going to be on the screen for you. I'm just going to continue reading Luke chapter 2. Very familiar to many of us, but I want to really focus in on these guys called the shepherds here in this story. Verse 8 says... In the same region, again, as, as all these events are happening of God's sovereign hand moving through the emperor and the, the census is going on, at the same time, the, the focus of the story shifts out to the field where we find some shepherds. It says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields. They were doing what shepherds do. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. I'm going to stop right here for just a minute because I don't know what comes into your mind when you think about the idea of a shepherd as you read here in the Bible. Maybe you think back to King David who was a shepherd. Maybe you maybe have all these kind of images. But shepherds in this day, let, let me just help you understand, they were, the, they were the deadbeats of society. They were really the, the low rung, if you will, on the totem pole of society. They were the they would be called the scoundrels. They were men of low reputation. Many of them were criminals. I mean, you're walking down the sidewalk with your kids and you see the shepherds coming. You're going on the other side of the street. These were men of low reputation, completely looked down on in society. These were men that nobody would have thought deserved Grace, much less a visit from the angel of the Lord announcing the birth of the Savior. That's the point. So here are these shepherds in verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I love this, end of verse 9, and they were terribly frightened. <laughs> these dudes were horrified. One of the reasons they were horrified is because, again, they see this angelic being, and angels aren't little, you know, fluffy cotton ball type figures. They're mighty figures of the glory of God, and they're horrified at this angel of the Lord. And at the same time, they are thinking in their minds, if this is an angel from the Lord, and they know who we are, and they know what we're about, we're in trouble. <laughs> They thought judgment is coming, and they realized, man, we deserve it. But that's where the story shifts, and I, I, you've got to get this tonight. These guys that deserve judgment, just like all of us, receive something totally different, and that's what grace is. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you, you shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. We're bringing you shepherds, the low men on the totem pole of society, those who deserve nothing and they know they deserve nothing. The angel is going to come and announce the, the birth of the king to the, to, to the shepherds. And I'll tell you, this is one of those stories when I read it, my heart just burns with a picture of the grace of God 
that of all the people God chooses to bring the message that his son has been born, he chooses the lowest of the low to go to first and say, hey, I got good news. I got good news. Man, that's awesome. Verse 11 and 4, today in the city of David, there has been born, and mark this next phrase, for you. For you, a Savior. And they didn't understand all this. But, but they, the, the, the angel says, listen, a baby's been born and here's who he is. He's a Savior. He is Christ. That's the word of Messiah, the promised Messiah. As Paul mentioned earlier, hundreds and hundreds of years had been predicted. Hundreds and hundreds of years that the people of Israel had been waiting on. We've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. And we're going to go announce that he's here. And we're going to go announce it to the shepherds. Of all the people that could get that message first. Who is Christ the Lord. He's Savior. He's Messiah. He's Master. So of all the people that could receive the message that God has come and taken on flesh, the shepherds. Get the message first. Man, that's a picture of grace. Keep reading. Verse 12, this is pretty funny. He says, this will be a sign unto you. You know that old saying, here's your sign. Well, here's your sign. This is how you'll know the king. And the shepherds are getting ready and they say, okay, well, we, a king, probably going to be born in the palace, right? Maybe Herod's palace. No. Well, he's the Messiah. Maybe he's going to be born in the temple, right? So we can't go to the temple. They won't even welcome us at the temple. We sure can't go to king's palace. So maybe they're expecting to hear that. And the angel says, no, no, no. This is going to be the sign that you'll know the Messiah is here. The Savior is here. Here's what you look for. You'll find a baby wrapped in rags or cloths. Paul mentioned earlier, it's a picture of a sacrifice and the same cloths that they would wrap lambs in those days for sacrifice. You'll find the baby wrapped in these cloths, lying in a manger. We've conditioned ourselves in the Western world to hear that and somehow picture this, you know, well-lit, warm, clean, nice hay. You know, it's all nice. That's not the picture here at all. It's a feeding trough. Pretty nasty place. And the picture is so beautiful here. These shepherds think, well, we can't go to the king's palace. We won't be welcome there. We sure can't go to the temple. We won't be welcome there. Hey, the king is going to be born in a manger where they feed livestock. You'll be welcome there. Aren't you glad God came to us in the conditions where we are? And the shepherds heard this message, and here's what they said. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. They were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, this is awesome to get in on this conversation. Can you imagine what these guys are saying? They said, hey, we got to get to Bethlehem. 
A few minutes ago, they were horrified at this angel. Now they're saying, we got to get to Bethlehem. Grace has pursued them, and now grace is drawing them to the Messiah. And they say, we got to go to Bethlehem. we got to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord, and here's what they were blown away about, which the Lord has made known to us. Us. Grace. They receive grace, they, see, they receive the revelation of who God is, and they respond in faith, and now they're going to go and find this baby born. So verse 16, quickly, so they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. In other words, they got there and they said, hey, I don't know if you all know what's going on here, but an angel came and told us that this little baby is Savior, he's Messiah, and he's Lord. Do you all know that? Do you all know? Everybody's kind of standing around, you know, they don't know whether to trust the shepherds or not. They made known the statement that had been made known to them. By the way, they were not ashamed to announce who Jesus was and proclaim his greatness. Why? Because they had received his grace. Recipients of grace who are aware of the grace they've received are never ashamed to make Jesus known. Amen? So they say, I don't know if you all know this, but here's the Savior. And all who heard it wondered at these things, and they were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured these things in her heart, pondering them, or treasured these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds went back, going back to their fields. They've come and they've seen the Savior. And as they were going, they were glorifying and they were praising God for all that they had heard, all that they had seen, just as it had been told to them. Here is a marvelous picture of grace that those who deserve judgment and they knew it are actually recipients of grace. And I don't know who in the Christmas story you most uh, identify with, but for me, and I know most of you, we identify with the lowly shepherds. And the fact that God has come to us, and the fact that He has made known the gospel to us, this, as, we, as we gather here on Christmas Eve, it ought to blow us away. Those who know what's in our hearts and those who know who we are, but yet God has come and he is a savior for us. That ought to blow us away. Some of you are here tonight and you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have met him and it's because his grace has come and sought you out. He has come to you. You weren't seeking Him, I assure you. And if that's you tonight and you know Jesus, I hope you leave this service tonight. We've sang about the greatness of Jesus. We're going to continue to sing. We're going to give here in just a few minutes. I pray you leave here tonight overwhelmed again by the fact and the reality of the grace of God. He has come to me. He has made known the gospel to me. And there are some of you in this room tonight who are here because a friend invited you, a family member coaxed you to be here, and maybe for the first time in your life you identify with some character in the Bible and you realize, wait a minute, Jesus Christ, the God-man, came for me? He came to be a Savior for me? 
And it may be that for the first time in your life, you're realizing, I'm the shepherds. I need a Savior. I'm unworthy. I need forgiveness. And a Savior has come. And let me just say, if that's you tonight, the message of the believers in this room and the message of the Bible for you tonight is, the Savior has come for you. And your response to Him is faith and repentance, turning from your way and embracing the Savior who has come. And that Savior didn't just come to be born, that Savior came to die. And that Savior didn't stay dead, He rose from the dead, He rose from the grave triumphant to bear your sin and mine. And if you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ, I implore with you, you're not here by accident. I beg you tonight that tonight could be the night of salvation, that your eyes are opened and you see Jesus as your Savior and you embrace Him as Lord. Would you pray with me? If you'll bow your head with me tonight, we're going to continue to sing in just a moment. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, I just encourage you right there where you're seated, call out to Him. Call out to Him in faith, something like, Lord, I need you. I see for the first time in my life that you died for me. I turn from my sin and I embrace you as Lord, Master, Savior. I give you my life. And that's you tonight based on the authority of the Word of God. The Bible makes a promise. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We'd love to talk with you after the service if that's you. And we'll give you more instructions about that in just a minute. The rest of us, we're going to continue tonight in song. We're worshiping in song, and then we're going to worship in giving in just a moment as a church family. So, if you will, let's continue. Will you stand with us? And let's continue to sing as our team leads us. <laughs>